Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a long-awaited edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, once again joined by Jordan Climac. Jordan, how are you doing? We haven't spoken to each other in a little while here. Mostly my fault, which I can get into in a minute. But how are you doing, my man? I'm doing good, man. Uh, just a couple couple weeks closer to football. I've had a couple fantasy drafts under the belt, so like it's we're really starting to get into that full swing of football, man. So it feels good. How, how can I be bad? I mean, it's hot as hell out here today. It was like 97 degrees here in Cleveland today, so it's kind of like that do- those dog days of summer where it's just so super hot, almost ready for the fall. But uh, yeah, man. Other than that, I'm doing good, man. So what's going on with you? I can tell you how you can be bad, Jordan, uh, because you can be me and you can travel to New York City the one weekend of the year where a hurricane hits New York City. So that that complicated things a little bit more than I was intending to. Uh, It was it was really fine the whole weekend. I actually had a great time. It was up there visiting some friends uh, in New York City, but was trying to come back on Sunday, uh, you know, and would have had time to pod, talk about the game, all that kind of things. Hurricane Henry had other uh, had other plans. (laughs) So we, uh, we're finally back in, in Cleveland, and Jordan, as fate would have it, tons of Browns news has broken since the last time you were, and I were able to speak. And I think the place we have to start is with the injuries. Uh, I think that's the biggest, most impactful news for this team. And in particular, I'll, I'll start with, with Cody Parkey. And Cody Parkey, you know, the Browns kicker all of last season was on track, you know, probably to win the job again, by all accounts, injured his quad, was originally sent to IR, and then it looks like the Browns are going to actually release him is the latest reporting. So Cody Parkey, not going to be the kicker for the Browns this season, which was a, a largely unexpected result. So now the Browns have one kicker on the roster, and his name is Chase McLaughlin. Jordan, I, I talked about Chase McLaughlin a little bit on a podcast you weren't on. He went to Illinois, a fellow Big Ten guy. He's bounced around as a kicker, very limited experience. He's 22 for 28 in his career on field goals. He's 31 and 32 on extra points. How much of an impact do you think this Cody Parkey injury is going to have on the Browns? I don't know if it will have a huge impact, though. I will say this. I did. Cody Parkey got to a point for me where I trusted him, and that's a spot that I haven't been in probably since Phil Dawson. I mean, just naming so, just some of the kickers off the top of my head, I, I, Billy Cundiff, uh, Travis Coons, uh, Greg Joseph, Austin Cyber, like all of these guys, they just haven't been able to find someone consistent. I think we got to a point last year where I actually – you know, other, other than the missed extra points, because I feel like there were a few of those and they were drive killers and the momentum swingers. But other than that, I trusted Cody Parkey. He didn't miss a kick in the, in the, in the playoffs, anything like that. It got to a point where, I, you know, when, when he was kicking a field goal, I expected it to go in. And again, like that, the spot I haven't been in. But I say that to say this, Henry, uh, everything that I've heard from training camp and the people I'm talking with daily, you know, who are out there every day and have, have a good sense of what's going on in Berea, Everyone says that this kicking battle was really, really, really close. And, like, they didn't know who was going to win. Some people, I think, thought that there was a chance that the Browns would leave training camp naming Chase McLaughlin their their kicker. And I I don't know how I feel about that. I haven't really seen him. I don't know much about his background. I I guess it's kind of we'll see what happens. I mean, he's going to be in a tough spot now kicking for a team 
that has Super Bowl aspirations, Henry. But like you talked about the impact, I don't think it will be major just because it seems like Chase McLaughlin can come in and kind of be the same kicker that Cody Parkey was. Maybe. I'm I'm mostly with you. Uh, and, and I'd say I'm mostly with you because it, it's no secret that the NFL ha- has devalued kickers over the last several years. The analytics will tell you the, that your kicker's basically on average worth like a fullback just because yeah. the difference in kickers is pretty minimal. I, yeah, everybody will, will think of, of Justin Tucker and then the ultimate disaster situation, sometimes which the Browns have been in. But for the most part, all of your kickers are pretty similar. That being said, right, the disaster situation to me isn't ruled out here completely, and that's just because of the sample size with Chase McLaughlin. 28 career attempts in the pros where he's never really held the job down consistently. I defended Cody Parkey at one point in the offseason saying, hey, he's not amazing. And the Browns are not going to attempt a ton of long field goals with him. They go for it. It's obvious that's Kevin Stefanski's philosophy. But Cody Parkey's fine. He's solid. He made just over 90% of his extra points last season. That's right around the league average. He made just about the league average in terms of field goals. Like, he's right in the pack with everybody else. He's been doing this since 2014. He is not going to be a disaster. I don't think McLaughlin's going to be a disaster, but I don't have a lot of track record to go off of here. And you hate to be in a situation as a playoff team where you know, your kicker costs you games. The Tennessee Titans had this problem last year where all of a sudden when you don't trust your kicker, that can be deflating and especially in, in tight games. So I'm not massively concerned about it, but and, and you can always move off of Chase McLaughlin, too. There is that aspect of it. But I don't think it's a complete non-story, Jordan. I, yeah, I'm hoping it's not going to be a big factor. But if the Browns lose, you know, a, a game to the Chiefs or, or the Chargers or the Vikings, one of these, you know, first five, six weeks or so, that, that kicking situation you know, might rear its ugly head again. Yeah, I just hope we don't get to a point like that, like, man, because Henry, where is my Phil Dawson? Where is he? I, I need a, I need that guy that we can just count on for 10 years, whatever it is, a guy that can actually kick into the dog pound wind and all that. Like, I need that guy, man. Where is he? He doesn't exist anymore, I don't think. There's not a lot of, of Phil Dawson type kickers, really. No. The guys that are just very accurate from shorter distances don't hit the long ones anymore. Hey, McLaughlin is 31 to 32 on extra points. So maybe there's, that. maybe there's something there, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll just have to see uh, on that front. The other injury news, Jordan, is, is Jacob Phillips. Uh, that one happened uh, actually before the game uh, that, uh, against the Giants where Phillips tore his bicep tendon and then he it, it, you know, was ruled out for the season. He's going to have to have surgery to repair that bicep tendon. A a linebacker that was penciled in to make this roster fifth-round pick from several years ago, uh, who I thought showed some flashes last season. I thought Phillips had a chance to come in and make an impact. Now, I think he would have been relegated behind some of the starters for this Browns team. But nevertheless, a a guy that 
is going to make the roster now done for the year. What did you make of of Phillips and the impact that that will have on probably the Browns' weakest unit in the linebacking court? That was bummed out. And for everything that you just said, I I thought he showed flashes. I liked, you know, what he could bring to the team in terms of having a lot. Like, look, Henry, I mean, we've talked about it how many times on this podcast of everything the Browns doing in the offseason was to get faster, to address the speed issue on defense. And Jacob Phillips played right into that. He was uh, one of the quicker guys. He had some, I mean, he had a couple of plays last year with his closing speed on, on, on some tackles, Henry, was, was pretty spectacular. So I was looking forward to watching him play. I guess if you wanted to find some solace in it, it's that, like you said, like he was more of a depth piece for this linebacking core. I don't think we were necessarily looking at him as a starter or someone that would be in that starting role. But again, you need depth there and he takes that away. And you were mentioned, you know, already a weak unit as it is. But really, more than anything, Henry, I think I'm just bummed out for him. And, man, these LSU guys, when you talk about a Phillips and OBJ, a Grant Delpit, a Greedy Williams, all those guys from LSU on the Browns just can't seem to stay healthy, man. It's a bummer. They really can't. Uh, and that and that was a big issue that, that reared its head in the preseason game as well, which we'll get to. But Phillips – I. I saw it in some playoff games. The numbers were not good with him last season. So, as you said, he's a depth piece. He probably wasn't, you know, really going to see a lot of the field initially for the Browns, especially with the way Awusa Koromoa has come on for this team. But it's still a guy that, that now you have to replace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. You mentioned the uh, the LSU guys, and that kind of leads into the next story, which is is preseason game number two against the Giants, where some of the major storylines out of that Greedy Williams re-aggravating an injury, and so it looks like he might be sidelined here for at least a couple practices as well. That was probably the biggest injury news out of the game that's going to impact the Browns long term, Jordan. What were your biggest takeaways from that game in general? What, what did you get a chance to see and what kind of is percolating in your mind after two preseason games for the Browns? It's, it's tough to say, right? I mean, I watched the game, Henry, and I, I don't know, man. There, were, I didn't have a major takeaway because, I mean, the reality is that there's not – like a lot of these guys that we're watching playing right now, we, it's not going to matter come Sunday. I mean, they're, they're going to be depth pieces. We're not going to be leaning on these guys. I guess if there was one takeaway, take Henry, I mean, okay, we'll keep it positive for the first one. And it's kind of like I alluded to last week of just 
how professional this team is, how they come in just prepared, they're ready to go. I feel, I feel like it, in these first couple of games that they've actually done some things on offense where I'm like, eh, even when they're not trying to be creative and show things, this offense can still be creative. And I think that's just a tip of the cap to Kevin Stefanski and his play calling and just how good he's able to control an offense. That's my positive takeaway because, look, I mean, Case Keenum looks sharp. Kyle Loletta has looked sharp. The offense just in general has looked sharp. So, but I flip it over to the defense, Henry, and I feel like, in, in again, I could be reading too much into this because it's just preseason in the end, but I feel like there's a, an issue with the middle of the, of the Browns defense right now. There's uh, the hole in the holes in the middle have been there through the running game for, for both Jacksonville and New York uh, going in, you know, watching those games. And the one thing, I think you brought this up last week and I had some pushback, but it, it happened again this week where I was kind of like, huh, that's interesting. Andrew Billings getting more playing time in the middle of that Browns defense. And again, I, I thought that, you know, I was having a conversation um, before our show today with Rod Cherry, obviously three-time Super Bowl champion with New England, knows his football. And he alluded to the same thing, right? Like he's like, yeah, the, the discouraging thing is like there's that hole in the middle of the defense right now. It's like, yeah, it's preseason, but we both kind of like, yeah, but what's going on with Billings? I don't know what's there. Am I reading too much into it? Am I not reading into it? Is it just preseason? I don't know, Henry, but there's a hole in that middle of that defense. And Billings has been on the field. And if we're relying on him to be a starter on that defensive line, I don't know. It, it, I wasn't worried last week, but seeing it back-to-back weeks, I'm kind of starting to get worried. I don't know. For me, it's like after week one, the panic was like, was like three. And after two weeks, now it's like a five. And yeah. if it happens for three weeks, it's going to be like a seven. Because <laughs> Billings, you know, as I mentioned, it's not only, okay, so Billings, you know, he takes the year off. How He was a starter in Cincinnati, but he obviously not an elite guy. I mean, that's why the Browns are only paying him what they're paying him. But he comes, he comes to Cleveland and you expect, all right, he's going to be serviceable. The nine reps against Jacksonville in the run game were, were far from serviceable in particular. I mean, that's really what set it off. Yeah. And the other thing that I mentioned last week is, hey, we just don't have a lot of guys that play in, in the same way that Billings plays, really as that run stuffer. Now, I thought an interesting takeaway from the game was Malik McDowell was fantastic. Yeah. But – I mean, are the Browns really going to turn to a guy like McDowell that, you know, early in the season? And again, he's, you know, he's playing against not exactly, you know, the, the cream of the crop here in the NFL too. So it's hard to determine, you know, how much is he really going to be successful anyway, once they play some real teams. And that's the other thing is they play Jacksonville and the giants too. It's not exactly like, this defense has gone up against, you know, the, the most elite offensive line units in the NFL either. So, yeah, I'm not only uh, with Andrew Billings, but across the board, I'm wondering about that interior run defense. The other thing with Elliott, too, that's kind of been discouraging, like he's been out there with like the third team, Henry. He hasn't gotten a lot of looks at, you know, on those first team or second team reps. Like he was playing late in like the fourth quarter and late in the third quarter, of that second preseason game. If that's going to be a guy you're going to want to rely on during the regular season, I wouldn't think he would be playing in a situation like that. So that was kind of a head scratcher for me as well. I will say one guy that I think has been impressive and a name that I've heard quite a lot, um, obviously had a really good game against the Jaguars. And then I believe it was that Thursday, that first practice against the Giants was wreaking havoc on that defensive line as well. And that's Sheldon Day. 
Um, I think that I think that he's getting closer to locking up a roster spot with kind of just how poor that play has been in the middle of the defense. Well, and I do think he's the guy that plays most similar to Billings. So he's maybe the one that could challenge Billings for that for that spot. And maybe that makes you feel a little bit better as a Browns fan, because otherwise, as I said, there's not a you know, for how many names are there? And a lot of promise. Malik McDowell is a you know a very promising young player. You know, I think Togiai in time could be a very promising young player. There's obviously not a lot of experience there, and so that's the challenge. It's like, hey, this is a team that wants to win now, not next year. They gotta have you know they don't have time to wait. So that that I definitely think is a, is a valid concern, Jordan, from your end. I had that on my list as well. Now on the flip side of things, I think a good concern, a good problem to have is the roster spots and the roster crunch on the other side of the football. I thought Jarnus Johnson looked good in the game. Yeah, he obviously got a lot of opportunity with the the Browns not playing some of their big guys. Demetric Felton once again made some plays. And it just makes me wonder, I'm starting to think like, how are they going to fit all of these guys onto the 53-man roster? Well, how about a guy like Kadero Hodge, too, who had himself a game? And that's a guy that we were talking about. Like, is he a fringe roster spot? Is he in, you know, is, is he running the risk of maybe getting being one of those surprise cuts because of how deep that wide receiver room was? And then Demetric Felton, if he's going to get some time there and you keep Dearner Johnson, I don't know. But then Kadero Hodge comes out and has that game he does and he has. So it's like, what do you, what do, you do now? I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, they have some flexibility to not keep a fourth tight end like, uh, you know, like they have. Um, and we, you know, with Steven Carlson going down with an injury, uh, but I mean, you add it up, right? You've got Johnson, Hunt, Chubb, Felton. That's four running backs. And then on top of that, you would be adding OBJ, Jarvis Landry, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Rashard Higgins, Anthony Schwartz. You have to assume that's five receivers that are locks to make this team. So you're already at nine guys between those two spots. That's as many as they kept last year. But what about So then, you know, there, there goes, you know, the spot uh, for Steven Carlson. That means they're just not keeping an extra tight end. Is Kevin Stefanski going to do that? You know, with yeah, is he only going to keep you know a, a limited number of tight ends? Given how much he likes to incorporate those guys, we know he likes you know uh, Janovich out of the backfield too, the fullback. So you you start to do the math, you start to do the numbers. They can fit everybody if they if they don't take as many tight ends as they did last year. But is that a decision they're willing to make? If not, I think one of Johnson, Felton, or Hodge is out. And you would have to imagine it wouldn't be Felton, right? Just being, him being the rookie. And, I mean, all these guys aren't on big contracts, but him being the rookie and him being that draft pick, I would imagine that he kind of has the edge, maybe, if, there, if, if anyone does. I think so. I think you're right. The weird thing is Felton, what Felton does is almost duplicated by Schwartz sometimes, but we're not seeing that because Schwartz, has, you know, obviously isn't – you know, um, has been in and out with, with his, his injury. So, but Felton also, obviously Felton plays in the backfield. So that's half true and half not true, of course. But I would think Hodge would be the most in trouble there. They also could keep all of those guys and keep one less defender. I'd be really shocked if they do that. 
But in general, I'm just, I, I started thinking about it and I was like, man, this roster is getting really tight in, in terms of the number of guys they're going to keep. Cause I think, you know, flipping over to the defensive side of the football, I think that's a question too for the linebacker position is even with Phillips gone, you know, how many of those guys are they going to take? Because I thought Elijah Lee looked good as well. So yeah, at some point, you know, the Brown, we, you know, you mentioned this on the last podcast where it's like, hey, Browns guys are going to get cut that are going to make other rosters. Yeah. I'm watching this Browns team. I'm like, there are guys that are going to get cut that are, should make a lot of other rosters in, in the NFL. And the Browns just don't have room for it. Think about it if a guy like Dearness Johnson gets cut, he could get picked up and be a serviceable number two running back for pretty much any other team in the NFL, right? Right. I, th- I think so. I, and, he hasn't done anything amazing by any means. We, you know, when Chubb went out, he I didn't think he was life changing. You know that you know showed he deserved to get a huge contract, but he didn't embarrass himself out there either. And no. so I would be surprised if another NFL team didn't take a shot on him. And you know, I think as I said, I think he ultimately ends up making the roster too. Uh, you know, if one of those guys misses out, I think it's Hodge. I think they'll find a way to squeeze them all in there just because of the injuries that have happened, but maybe they don't, maybe, you know, Stefanski kind of goes with the personnel groupings. He likes more that he's going to feature more. And one of those guys ultimately does miss it. Yeah. It'll certainly be interesting to see because uh, right now I think Jordan Franks really is only that other guy that would be considered that you would keep at the tight end position. Right. I I mean, I'm looking at the Browns uh, depth chart for Sunday as it stands and, the four tight ends they have listed, Austin Hooper, David Njoku, Harrison Bryant, and Jordan Franks. And I think I told the story on the last pod, Henry, of just, you know, the day I was out there, Jordan Franks had one of the worst practices I've ever seen. Like, I mean, three straight brutal drops in, in, in key situations without a lot of guys around him. So I don't know if that's a guy you want to keep. I think if there is a position to, to shed someone, I think it would have to be tight end. But again, we know Stefanski loves those multi-set uh, tight end packages. Uh, good, good. It's a good problem to have, though. At, at the end of the day, Henry, it, it really is. It's something we're not accustomed to. That's true. That's true. It is a good problem to have. It was just I started seeing those predictions float out there, and I was like, "Dang, there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot to be resolved there." Something that got resolved in, in a positive direction, Jordan, was Tack McKinley yeah. returned. Uh, the Browns announced that Tack McKinley is back after an excused absence. We don't really know any of the details uh, in terms of, of things that have been publicly reported, but McKinley now back in the fold, you know, expecting to be a, technically speaking, a reserve for this team behind Clowney and Garrett, but a guy I think a lot of people saw as having the potential to get in on third down situations, especially if Clowney has moved inside on third down passing situations where he's had a lot of success. And also as an insurance policy to Clowney and Garrett as well, two guys who have been banged up, Clowney in particular, over the last couple of seasons. So big news to get him back here, Jordan. Yeah. And I think it definitely is Henry. And another thing that we could even talk about with getting tag McKinley back aside from just my fascination with him, I'm super fascinated with him mainly because like I've said, Andrew Barry is, and he's wanted him for so long. And then of course we were like, Henry, we're finally going to get it. And then I don't know what happened. I don't think they were, the Browns weren't specific on what happened, personal issue of some sort. And, and tag McKinley goes home, but now he's back. It sounds like he'll be in practice at some point this week, Henry, but we got done talking about the defensive tackles and, and kind of how it's been lackluster in the middle of that defense and and who's going to step up. Look, uh, the fact of the matter is come, you know, come Sundays, it could be looking a lot different 
on that defensive uh, front, right? We could be seeing a, a package where uh, Tack McKinley is the defensive end, and then you have Malik Jackson and Jadavion Clowney lined up in the middle, and then Miles Garrett on the other side. Like, think about that line and how much that uh, the, the versatility there, and how much different that would look than something where we're talking about maybe squeezing an Andrew Billings and and a Malik Jackson in, or an or Malik Jackson and a Sheldon Day, or something along those lines. Like uh, Tack McKinley adding another body there, and one that I think can be productive in this system. It makes you a lot more versatile on that defensive front, Henry, and it could alleviate that defensive tackle problem, which we alluded to earlier in the pod. It could, and it definitely would. I on on passing situations, I, McKinley is definitely uh, intriguing there. I don't know. I I still am, and have not really understood the Browns' fascination with McKinley uh, in terms of on the field production. I just haven't seen it from him. I don't, and they have certainly done everything they could do to get him on the Browns roster, both this season and in previous seasons with their attempts. So they have to plan on using him. And I guess that they will. It's definitely good to have him either way for a depth piece. I mean, that's fine, but I just, I wonder when everybody's healthy, what his exact role is, is going to be still. I thought the last piece of, Intrigue to me was Greedy Williams going out with the groin injury. Josina Anderson reported insignificant, but it does feel like the the rest of the defense is shaping up a little bit. Jordan Phillips is out. You got to figure at this point, uh, Greg Newsom has the inside track to that cornerback two spot. It does kind of feel like yeah. that back seven is starting to take shape in the way that we thought it might. It does. And it's a bummer. And, you know, I just, for Greedy, man, it's tough. It's just one of those things where, like, if you're a player that's constantly injured, like, does that ever change? You know, a lot of times it doesn't, Henry. I mean, we see rare cases where it does, but I don't know. It just seems like these injuries, they're little ticky tacky things where it kind of seems like you're, he's overcompensating for something, right? Like worried about getting hurt again. And then you get hurt again. It seems like that's kind of what's happening with him, but it's, it sucks, man. But yeah, again, to your point, Henry, uh, I think Kevin Spansky was asked about Greg Newsom in that starting role. And he's like, look, Hey, if he's going to be a starter for us, we're going to expect him to produce. So we're going to have to likely go into the season trusting Greg Newsom as that number two guy along Den- alongside Denzel Ward in Kansas City. And look, I, I like it. I'm, I think he's up for the challenge. We know Greg Newsom, obviously Northwestern guy. You know he has ties, you know, to your school. And I, I think he's a type of guy that's going to accept that challenge, go at it, you know, headstrong, Henry. And look, I, I like him there. I, we both predicted that he would probably be the Browns' starting cornerback. I think that's why they drafted him where they did. So let's see what he's got, man. Like you said, defense starting to shape out. I, I, I like what it is. Just got to stay healthy going forward. I like what they've got going for the most part. It's really going to be those depth pieces that they still have to figure out. You know, is it an extra defensive tackle? Is it red wine at safety? How many linebackers? That kind of thing. But it does feel like the starters are, are getting more and more solidified for the most part, outside of defensive tackle, which we brought up earlier to, you know, to see who's going to kind of fill that last spot. So, uh, you know, Greg Newsom, my Northwestern guy, I, I do think. Yeah. And, and also, you know, the Browns, just to, to tie up the depth piece of it, the Browns did cut Robert Jackson. So it would seem like, you know, A.J. Green is going to be kind of the last corner they keep. Uh, and real quick, Henry, uh, obviously the Browns going into their final uh, preseason game this Sunday night against the Falcons. And I believe right before training camp started, Kevin Stefanski had addressed the media saying 
that he was going to treat that third preseason game as the dress rehearsal. So what is your philosophy? I don't know if we've ever gotten into this. I'm a, I'm a put guys in bubble wrap, get them healthy to, to get to the start of the season. That like, that's kind of my philosophy. I don't like to put guys in a situation to get hurt. And I know you can come back with a whole, you know, guys get hurt in practice and that kind of thing. I just, I just think it's, it's tough to see. It's tough. It's tough to justify when you see a, a big time starter go down in a preseason game, but it does sound like, I think we haven't heard the official word and I'm sure we'll probably do another pod at some point this week when we do get official word, but like, I imagine Baker is going to play some on Sunday and like, I don't know if I'm going to be in support of that. If we're going to not play our starting offensive line as well, that kind of thing. Like what's your philosophy, Henry? I don't want to see these guys go out there. I don't think Odell will play in general. I don't need to see miles out there. Not sure. I need to see Clowney, maybe some of the guys on the back end of the defense, but yeah, I don't know, man. It just scares me. My philosophy is that they just shouldn't play any of the starters. That's yeah. that's what I believe. Anybody who's locked into a starting shot, the spot they shouldn't play. So I'm, uh, I'm there with you. Look, can you protect these guys perfectly? No. The play that Phillips tore his bicep tendon on was, you know, a half crab attempt at a giant in play practice, in joint practice. That yeah. could happen to anybody. Of course. Grant Delpit tore his Achilles, you know, right away in training camp last season. You're not going to be able to avoid those things. But the idea that these guys need to play preseason to be ready for the regular season to me is just not true because we've seen over and over again, many teams rest their starters and be fine. Like Sean McVay, his first year for the Rams was like, cool. We're not playing a single starter. They started the season eight and oh. We watch college football teams every year come out the first week and, and, you know, Alabama against Florida state and all of those big time matchups. And guess what? The college teams look fine because you can do all this stuff in practice. These guys have played football before you can simulate this enough without, you know, increasing the risk for injury. And even if, even if you are sacrificing, you know, some firing all cylinders on that in that first game, that's okay. It's like, okay, you know, a couple series, maybe, I mean, what's the tangible impact of that? Minimal at best, but the reward is, you know, staving off as much injury risk as possible. To me, the impact of, you know, a Baker, a, a Garrett picking up an injury in preseason compared to, you know, the first half of the game against the Chiefs, it's just they're not comparable. It, it, the team has to stay healthy. And, yeah, the Browns defense, for example, it needs continuity more than almost any side of the football in the NFL. And, and that's why I've said for consistently on this podcast, I think they're going to lose in week one because they've got to – put in eight, nine, 10 new guys that are going to get snaps on this defense. And that's probably not going to go very well against the best offense in the league, but it's more important that they stay healthy. So when they play the chiefs, hopefully in December or January, that they actually have a a fighting chance against them. And three series in the preseason is not going to do it. It's going to take eight games for that defense to be on the same page. And that's fine. That's just part of having a new roster. Yeah. And look, a couple of things too, like there was no preseason last year. So I think that was an eye opener for a lot of coaches. Like, Hey, we had a solid year. We didn't have a preseason. Like we need to look into this a little bit more to kind of address our philosophy on that. And I think that's why we've seen a lot more players sitting out in this preseason, but also Henry, how about the fact that there's one more game? This is 17 game scheduled this year. You have to have players healthier for longer. And that hasn't been the case before in NFL history. So I think that plays into it as well, but yeah, look, just wrap these guys up. Baker's going to play, let him play like one series, one series. I'm fine. Get his ass out of there, especially 
Henry, I don't know if I want to see him out there at all. Like, if I'm not going to have Wills out there, if I'm not going to have Conklin out there, those guys, I, I don't know. I, I don't need him for a series. Baker, as far as I'm concerned, cannot yeah, play yeah. a single snap, and I'm fine. I mean, if he plays one series, I'm sure they're not going to run, you know, any long drop, you know, big drops or whatever. But like, yeah, quick. Just, but at the same time, what's the point of that, right? Like, does he exactly. need to go out there? Like, hey, don't get he's the best post of offense like, for one series. Like, nah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. I, I just don't think it's relevant. And if it was relevant in year one, it's less relevant in year two, right? Like the 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 we watch. Yeah. You mentioned no preseason last year. Well, Lamar Jackson in his second year, uh, you know, with the Ravens as the full-time starter, didn't exactly look like he needed preseason to succeed against the Browns in week one. So the, the Browns with Baker and Kevin Stefanski and company should be in a similar position this year where they're not going to need that in order to be successful. Uh, they, they just they'll, they'll be fine with, with the continuity, I'm quite certain. You know, we're going to have to listen to that bullshit. Like <laughs> week one, say the Browns do lose, and then all of a sudden you have to hear that. Ah, you know, maybe they should have played their starters in the free. Like, stop. All right. I'm telling you right now, if you're going to try and come out with that take, just stop. It's nonsense. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. The, if the Browns are going to lose in week one, it's because they're playing they a really the best team. team. Yes. They're, they're playing the best team in the NFL, in my estimation, exactly. and definitely the best offense and a coach with a great track record. We can wrap up here. <laughs> we had a ton to cover. That yeah, you know, we'll be back uh, potentially later on this week if there's more you know news, and then of course ahead of preseason game number three. But we had a lot to cover, uh, as I mentioned. Uh, you know, it was it was certainly my fault that that we weren't able to get to some of this stuff sooner. But it was a very full podcast. You know, it does feel like there's a training camp injury every year, Jordan. For the most part, it, it hasn't been to the most significant players on the Browns. Whoa, certainly whoa knock on wood. I'm knocking on wood right now. Oh, yeah. So, so far. So Ooh. far. But, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm bummed for Jacob Phillips. I thought he showed some flashes last year. I would have loved to see him this year. I'm bummed for Cody Parkey. Quad injuries to a kicker are yeah. always serious. But so far, nothing disastrous like we've seen, uh, you know, for some other teams. I, I saw Travis Etienne done for the season. Yeah, man. The Jags. I mean, you just – it just happens every year. Carl Lawson tears his Achilles. It, you just hope and pray that, that it doesn't happen to one of your guys, and, and we will continue to do that here throughout the next couple of weeks until the season starts. It, it, uh, real quick, isn't it pretty crazy? Like, I, I was thinking about this earlier, right? right? All of a sudden, we're a couple of days away from the final preseason game. Like, this preseason has flown by, man. Like, it really has, Henry. We were sitting here. I remember sitting here at the start of training camp. The training camp's almost over, man. We're, we're getting there, getting there. It's a slow race, but we're getting there. You mentioned it. You know, the fantasy football drafts start yeah. to lock in, and everybody's pretty much ready, ready to go for week one. College football starting, too. So I've already got my tickets to Northwestern Michigan State the Friday night of Labor Day weekend, uh, okay. the Wildcats. So, <laughs> you know, football is officially back, and, and we're ready to rumble here. So plenty, plenty more to come. Browns fans, I hope you're excited for football to be back just as much as Jordan and I are. But until next time, I'm just two words for you. Go Browns.